Hey CR, this is Shannon. I'm a firm believer in Jesus. Um, and since we're doing this video style, we're not going to go into anything in, in too deep because of anonymity. Uh, but since the craziness in the world and all that, and, and we are not supposed to meet, we're not supposed to be within six foot of each other. Uh oh. We're in trouble. So um, Sammy has agreed to come and do the CR lesson with us so that we can post it on the CR page. So this is Sammy Hodges. Hi. I'm Sammy. <laughs> He's the pastor at Asheville United Methodist That's and Evergreen United Methodist. That's correct. So before we jump in, would you like to pray us in? Absolutely. Uh, your love never fails us. Your grace knows no bounds and your mercies renew for us every morning. And so, God, we come relying on that never failing love. Seems like we're always testing the bounds of your boundless grace that opens to receive us. And all day we've been falling headlong into those mercies that were waiting before we ever awoke. Lord, our prayer is that um, somehow, some way, uh, what's happening today would be a light to someone else. Father, we pray for everyone who would be watching and everyone who would be listening, and that somehow, some way, something that we've said would prick their hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, and their lives would be changed. That the words that they hear today would become for them the Word of God. Uh, as much and as in they experience the risen Jesus. In your precious holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. So because CR is a copyrighted material, we are not actually presenting the true action lesson. We are having more of a faith conversation about action and um, our reactions. So in CR, we always have acrostics. And for action, the first acrostic that we have is assess consequences, then identify the struggle, the ongoing struggles. So we, we see people that get caught up in the poor pitiful me, everything is always wrong, I have such bad luck, but they don't stop and assess their own actions, the consequences and the struggles that go hand in hand. And the truth is, sometimes we act just out of pure thought, mm -hmm. where we think about something, meditate on something. Uh, it's often called premeditated actions. We think about them, and then we weigh out those consequences, and then often decide to do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. and then there's those times where we act out of passion. Uh, whatever emotion we're feeling at the time, whatever, whatever thought pops in our head about that emotion, we go do it. Um, I guess a, 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 an example of that one would be... Um, uh, you find out that someone has hit your mother and all of a sudden you get angry and before you realize what you've done you've gone after that person which is a an yes. adverse action and it will have a bad consequence in your life and then there's those times that we act out of fear where whatever it is that has scared us mm -hmm. or has gone on around us that has caused us to be afraid uh, causes us just to do one of two things it's, it's all in the animal kingdom and all over the world we either fight or we flee yes. fight or flight yeah. and so I, I guess the one thing that we have trouble acting out of and the one thing that we go best with that acrostic is the idea of weighing our consequences and identifying those things that we struggle with the most in those actions would be acting out of faith, knowing that the things that we see, the things that we think, the things that we fear and the emotions that we feel often are, are different than what's really happening. And so when we act out of faith, we're acting more out of wisdom, we're acting more out of love, we're acting more out of grace, and we're acting more out of mercy mm -hmm. than just what the basic instincts of humanity tell us to do. 
So I guess today's lesson, if, if we could narrow it down as we're going through this, this is kind of what we want you to think about. We're looking at action versus reaction in our lives. We're looking at action where we stop and we think about it, and then we get a game plan to go forward versus reaction where the fight or flight takes over, the emotions take over, and it's a knee-jerk reaction before we know it. It goes really bad, and, and we get caught up in a vicious cycle. So the second acrostic for this lesson, action, is always center truth in our stance. Oh, that's good. Always center truth in our stance. Mm -hmm. Now, what does that mean to you? That means when I make a decision, I first need to weigh it. I need to wash it in truth. Is How is this going to make my ripple effect in the world? How is this going to affect those around me when they... You had a great story earlier. When they see me out and about and I'm struggling mm -hmm. and I have to, in my mind, it's just me. It's not, hey, that's Pastor Shan from CR. <laughs> you know, it's me in sweatpants, T-shirt, and flip-flops having a rough day, you know, and yeah. I'm like, everything I touch breaks. So, but when I, when I center truth in it, I have to remember that everything I do, say, whatever, affects someone that... I may not even know their name. I may not have even talked to them before. Yeah. But once they see my actions, they either want to, hey, let me help you, let me talk to you, or get away. She yeah. could be dangerous. And the truth is what you're talking about is is seeking that truth in that or centering. Mm -hmm. that. That's actually acting out of faith mm -hmm. uh, because we're told in Scripture that the way we receive faith is by hearing God's Word. And so when those times come that we center in truth, the truth of the matter is more what God says about us than what we say about yes. ourselves or even what somebody else has to say about them. That's a way of acting out in faith. One time my wife and I broke down on, on, on our way uh, away from church to go eat somewhere on this weird, odd back road with her mom um, that you would think hardly anybody would ever come down. And the tire was flat, and I got out of the car, I just touched my face. You did. I'm going to get in trouble for that. Uh, I got the out of the says, car. don't do that. And I'm, I'm in a pair of dress pants and a pair of dress shoes and a nice dress shirt and a tie, which I don't wear hardly ever anymore. And I get out and I see this flat tire and I know I've got the spare in the back. And I open up the trunk and I know I've got a t-shirt in the trunk. I know I've got a pair of shorts in the trunk. And I know I've got a pair of tennis shoes in the trunk. So I decided, standing right there on the side of the road in this little back road where nobody comes, that I'm going to change clothes right there. You know exactly what happens. Welcome the to The moment CR. the dress pants come down, <laughs> before I can get the shorts on, here comes about three cars in a row down the road looking. And so what is it I hear the next day? Yes. Did y'all know the pastor at that Methodist church in Rim Lab was on the side of the road naked? <laughs> We never know who's watching. And so we're always, by our actions, testifying to yes. something, to someone in our lives, either testifying and ministering things that are good or things that are bad. Yes. Uh, and I'm just glad that it wasn't one of those situations where I was screaming and yelling and kicking at my truck <laughs> or my car because I had a flat tire. Uh, because that's definitely acting out of our passion and acting out of uh, the anger and that mm -hmm. frustration that comes rather than acting out of faith. And also, it's great when the district superintendent doesn't drive by at that moment also, too. No, I didn't have any of those yes. happen. What, what, what did happen, though, was a stream of cars the whole time we were coming would drive by, and they would slowly look out the window of their cars at us. Some of them rolled down the window 
can I help you? And no, I'm fine. <laughs> and uh, it took forever to get into those shorts, it felt like. <sighs> okay, we posted four questions on the CR page, and we were trying to get some feedback. So I'm going to run through the questions real quick, and then we'll, we'll talk about the feedback and then dive into the conversation. So the questions were, what does action look like to you? Mm. The next one, what does action require? What do you expect from action? And any general thoughts about action that applies to our faith walk? Mm. So we had two comments that, that were sent to me. Um, the first one I'm not going to tell you who this was, but for all of you that met him, you know exactly who this is. So, we have to put our faith into action or it's useless. Mm -hmm. It's like cranking your car. First you get in. Second you put your keys in the ignition. Third you turn the key to start. You You can have faith that the car will start, but if you don't put the steps into action, you're just going to sit there and go nowhere. Hmm. And then the next one was, and I love this because several videos that have, have circulated Facebook, um, if you, it's like giving your kids a rotary phone and a phone number to call. If you do not show them how to walk it out or how to put the rotary phone into action, they will never connect with anyone on the other end of the phone line. So let's look at what does action look like to you? So does this mean that it's like a uh, there's sort of a correlation here between um, faith in that first one and action, and then in the second one there's a correlation between example and action Mm -hmm. because there's certain things that we're only gonna know by learning the behavior, right? And we're only gonna learn that behavior by being taught. And there's a lot of actions we take in our life that we act off of that learned behavior. And we actually think in our minds that this is behavior that's normal, the behavior Mm -hmm. that's okay, behavior that we're supposed to have, when oftentimes it's It's not. We've learned wrong behaviors. Right. And I think that goes hand in hand with, we hear so many times generational uh, curses, Mm -hmm. but we don't hear about generational blessings. And many times in CR, what I've, what I've experienced when new people come into CR is they're not quite ready to go to church. They don't trust yet enough mm-hmm. to go to church. But in their background, in their families, it has been a grandmama or a granddaddy that was their faith foundation. Yeah. And so when they come into CR, and this is why it's so imp- important to have a wide variety of ages at CR. When they come into CR and they meet someone that's that grandmama or granddaddy mm-hmm. uh, persona, personality. Yeah, yeah. that archetype of they, the perfect grandparent. They gravitate, grandparent. Yeah. and then they trust, and they start watching their walk. Yeah. And then they'll go into a Wednesday night Bible study with them. Mm-hmm. And it may take up to two years before they go into church. But that grandmama, granddaddy figure doesn't realize that they're restoring a walk that had been broken because of whatever the world brought. You know, one of the hardest things for a person to say um, is certain things my parents did may have been wrong. Right. Because we always look at those things and we think, oh, my parents loved me, so this must be the right thing. And and it it may be situations that were beyond their control that Mm -hmm. they taught you. Uh, a thing that was adverse to the rest of your life or actions that weren't proper. Right. And it's hard to say that. Um, 
but sometimes through a process of life, we find that it's okay to say that I can do something different than mm-hmm. what my parents did. And it's okay to do that because I'm not the same person right. they were. Um, I'm not my father. I'm not my mother. I'm not even my grandparent that may have raised me. And so one of the hardest things to do sometimes rather than molding ourselves into that action uh, is to step back and say, that's not an action I should have taken or they should have taken with me mm-hmm. so, or taught me. And I think uh, that vicious cycle is where um, guilt and shame keeps us. Yeah. Because so many times we don't want to um, do anything that would disrespect a family member. Yeah. But yet that cycle's got to be broken. Somebody's got to step into action to make change. So what does action look like to you? So how have the footprints of those that came before you shaped your walk? Mm-hmm. And talking about our normal scale, again, that goes back to to how we watch our grandparents and our parents and so on. The predominant males and females in our life, they set that normal scale that we use to allow things into our life. That's right. And so when they set a, a normal scale that is either way, way low just because that's all they knew. Mm-hmm. It wasn't on purpose. It's just yeah. all they knew. Um, and so... Many times people, when something good comes or something, an opportunity comes, they feel unworthy, and so they'll let it pass by. Yeah. yeah. Because it's so far above what their normal scale is that fear sets in. Yeah. And they will not step into a faith and step yeah. out on faith and, uh, and take the opportunity and run with it. Um, we are talking about um, the footprints of those people that came before us and trying to sort of walk in those. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody knows the story that's been told forever about footprints in the sand. And God's saying that when there's set two sets of footprints, uh, we were walking together. When there's one, I carried you. You weren't alone. Uh, but this is more along the lines of of looking at the path that's laid out for us mm-hmm. and, and trying to figure out in our lives if that path is the proper path or not. Because the truth is, just like uh, sometimes when you see these crime scene television uh, movies or TV shows, uh, you, you, you see all these people walking through a crime scene, and evidently the detective gets mad because there's footprints everywhere, yes. and they can't discern which footprint patterns were the ones that were caused by the possible killer or just the people flooding their crime scene. Sometimes in life, it looks like that. It's hard for us to discern which one of those paths is the proper path and whose footprints we should follow. And if we're going to be those people that act more out of faith than out of our fear or our passion, who act more wisdom out of thought, I'd rather people act out of thought than act out of fear yes. or act out of thought than out of passion. Uh, sometimes I'd rather people act out of thought than out of faith because <laughs> we take that too far. <clears throat> but at the same time, following in those footsteps of the people that came ahead of us uh, in, in faith in Christ is an important thing. So that leads us to what does action actually require? And this is from a faith stance. Hmm. So what would action require? If we're, if we're looking at Scripture, <clears throat> and there are so many examples in Scripture that actually fit every situation in today. Mm-hmm. Um, there is nothing that has happened... In today, that there is not, or I have not read across, um, that the example is not in here, and it shows how God brought them through it. So, action, what does it require? So give us, uh, 
what's one of the stories you think of where someone really stepped out, mm. kind of broke the mold, and and besides Noah, <laughs> see, I, knew, I thought we're going with Noah. Okay, I know he's fixing to do that. So besides, besides Noah, Noah. <laughs> um, what's something that you know someone kind of stepped out of the normal? Not saying that the normal wasn't a faith based, but really stepped out and 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 made a difference for those generations after them because those are seeds planted. That's yeah. where our our generational blessings come from. Um, if we're doing a story from Scripture, uh, there's a story of a prophet in, in uh, First Kings. Uh, his name is Micaiah, the son of Imlah, or Micaiah ben Imlah for some of you people that that uh, that are sticklers. And um, he did not prophesy the way the other prophets prophesied. Uh, so he was one of the prophets that the king would call on to come and tell him what it was he needed to go do. And so uh, Ahab and Jehoshaphat, who were two kings, decided they were going to go to battle against another country, another nation, and they wanted to know if, if, they, if God was on their side and if they were going to be prosperous because it was an important thing back then for God to be on their side, uh, at least the appearance of that, if anything. Not much different from today. In I was going to say that's still very important. <laughs> and so, so um, all these prophets come up, and Ahab basically says, "Okay, somebody's missing." And Jehoshaphat said, "Is there not another prophet in here?" Somebody speaks up. Ahab speaks up and says, "You know, Jehoshaphat, there's one more guy, Micaiah, son of Imla. I don't like him because <laughs> the things that he tells me are never what I want to hear." <laughs> And, and that's his reputation. He speaks truth to authority. Mm -hmm. He speaks with this prophetic voice that says, Okay, king, you may be in charge. You may be able to take my life and have my head, but this is what the truth is. And so he goes before the king. They, they pull him out. And he says, You know what? I'll, I'll do my best to prophesy correctly and favorably to the king. And he goes up there, and they, okay, Jehoshaphat and Ahab say, Okay, Micaiah, this is what we're going to do as God on our side. And Micaiah says, yes, God's on your side. Go ahead and go to battle. You'll be, you'll, be, you'll be victorious. And it makes Ahab mad. He gets angry at Micaiah and he says, Micaiah, tell me the truth. And so Micaiah says, okay, I'll tell you the truth. I see the armies of Israel scattered out and everybody's dead. <laughs> Panic sets in. And Ahab says, see, I told you. He never... He never prophesied favorably to me. And so his action was speaking the truth to that king. And what it took for that action to happen was it took him believing on the faith that when he sought God's truth for his nation and for his people, and in some sense, in some cases, when we seek God's truth for our people, it's about our family unit, those people that God has entrusted us to be responsible with and for. Um, I, think, I think that in that sense, action takes the courage and the faith, and maybe even the patience to seek out what it is God wants to do in your life, understanding that especially in the CR uh, situation that we're, we're doing things in steps, mm -hmm. one step at a time and one day at a time. And so I think um, one of the biggest things there is the courage to go ahead and step out and, mm -hmm. and do that. Uh, sometimes faith isn't faith until you actually do something with it. Put it into action. That's right. Yes. And that's that's another point. Um, with NCR, that is one of the things when you get a sponsor or an accountability partner, especially a sponsor, when you sit down and someone says, I need a sponsor, and I've done this so many times, and I've said to them, okay, understand, I'm going to speak truth to you, and it's not always going to be what you want to mm -hmm. hear, 
but it's because I have to walk in God's obedience mm-hmm. and what God has called me to do, and that is to walk beside you through this journey as you grow, as God grows you. It's not me growing you. It's me speaking life into you, speaking truth into you, and watching God change you. So <clears throat> I always tell everybody that um, the best way I can describe Celebrate Recovery is uh, God gives you a front row seat to the greatest show on earth, and yeah. that's the show of restoration and redemption. I mean, I can go through story after story after story of all the women and men that are now in leadership. They're now pastoring churches mm-hmm. that not very long ago were sitting in the jail cell. You know, it's interesting while we're talking about action and, <clears throat> and I guess how we how we uh, how we we represent the kingdom, how we want others to see us. I, I think about this idea that it was the actions of Christ. That, that brought us to this place where we could react yes. to what His love is. Uh, everything that comes from God, uh, the reason we can be saved, the reason we can be delivered, the reason we can be healed, the reason that we can walk in truth in life is because Jesus' actions and God's actions toward us. And so I guess the idea there is is the only reason we can act. Uh, Romans tells us that through one person, Adam, sin came into the world. Mm-hmm. But through the obedience and actions of Christ, uh, eternal life has come. The, the new life in Christ has come. And, and not just eternal life out there somewhere, but a life that is restored here mm-hmm. on the way to that, that we're being uh, uh, little by little, bit by bit, as God works with us and deals with us and as God's people love us and help us along, we're being changed. And each level that we change and each step that we make is an action in the right direction, following those same footprints that we just talked about Mm -hmm. in the path of those people that have come before us. And when we walk in obedience and we walk in our calling, Mm -hmm. we all have faith feet. (laughs) They're God's design. It is our choice how we put them into action. But when we walk in obedience and we're following Christ's example, just like we talked about grandmoms and granddaddies, their examples, we get to be part of the ripple effect. Mm-hmm. And that's the coolest thing on earth is to watch God. Yes, He's changing us. Yes, He's molding us. Yes, He's growing us, renewing us. But when you get to watch Him in like real time, yeah. in somebody else's life, it's almost like I tell people, it's almost like I'm going down a hallway and I feel like if I could just go a little faster, I could actually catch him turning the curve. Oh, That's yeah. how just it's crazy. But if unless you've experienced somebody just God just moving in their life, it's kind of hard to, to describe anything mm-hmm. except putting your feet in action, becoming part of the ripple effect of what Christ has already put into motion. Well, you're talking about the ripple effect, and of course, that means you're talking about uh, the idea that that when a um, it's also I guess could be called the butterfly effect. Yeah, yeah. One action, small flapping of butterfly wings, changes so many more things. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same idea when a, a pebble dropped into a pond begins to ripple out. And and my favorite idea of that is rain, because when you sit and you look at a pond that's still or a body of water that's still, and you see rain, and each drop drops. And it ripples out and ripples out. And all those ripples sort of flow into each other mm-hmm. and fall into each other. And kind of remind me when the Holy Spirit works through all different people in your life, yes. in the lives of your family, in the lives of the people that, that won them. Uh, the person that, that, that I think sometimes that I should thank the most for my life isn't the people that raised me or even the people that raised them. But especially for my family, it's just the people that, that told my parents, you need Jesus. 
Because without that having happened, my dad tells the story of the night that he finally realized he needed Jesus as his Savior. He was playing in a gospel band. Uh, he was playing in a gospel band, and he was he was he was drinking alcohol. He was doing everything that was opposed to being in a gospel band and playing gospel band. And he said he was sitting there. They had just played for this revival, the evangelist without speaking. And he said he felt like God was saying to him, "You are a hypocrite." And my dad said the next thing he realized is he was in the altar praying and asking God to change his life. Mm -hmm. And the next thing he realized is my mother was next to him doing the same thing. And you're talking about the ripple effect. Yes. I don't even know who that evangelist was. I can't tell you to this day. I'm sure my dad can. But when I think about that story, I think that man followed the actions of God and my mother, my, my, excuse me, my father went, and the ripple effect of that was my mother yes. went. And I was able to watch my dad my whole life, and he still ripples in my life. And, yes. and, and, and the things I do in my life are still the ripples from him affecting other people, mm -hmm. uh, just like the Holy Spirit affects other people through us. Yes. That ripple that came all the way from Christ on the cross. My dad used to go and pray all the time. I love this story. Okay, I'm going to try and, not to look at you because I'm going to cry. And, and, okay. and he, he, had a, he had an interesting life, and I don't know if you'll <laughs> mind me telling this on camera. I tell it a lot at my church, but no matter what was going on in his life, his habit was at some time before he went to bed, either after we ate supper or as soon as he came home, depending on how he felt, he went into a room and prayed. And I remember growing up and... And hearing him in there praying, and it sort of happened in stages and steps, talking about taking mm -hmm. actions and following someone's footsteps. I would sit at the door just as a little kid, you know, not really old enough to know exactly what was going on, but knowing I felt a drawing to what was happening in there with my dad, I would sit at the door and listen to him pray. And then as a couple of years as I got older, I would open the door and kind of stand at the, at the doorway and watch him and listen even more to him pray. And then as time went on, I'd go inside. And before you knew it, um, I was right there laying on my dad's back. I probably couldn't do that now. But I was laying on my dad's back while he would pray. And he would tell God everything. I mean, just the most amazing and most simple yet most mm -hmm. effective faith. He would tell God everything, and he didn't hold anything back just because his son was sitting there, mm -hmm. which some people would think may or may not be a good thing. I tell you, it was a good thing. Absolutely. Um, and eventually, it got to where I would lay my head on his lap and listen to him pray if he was kneeling. If he was laying on his face, which was often his habit, I would get on his back and lay there with him and listen to him pray and talk to God. And that's how I learned how to pray. That's how I learned how to talk to God. That's how I learned that you can tell God anything and everything, yeah. and God will not think any less of you or any more of you. Because he, he, he can never love you any more than yeah. he does, uh, or any less than he does. And um, so I went through my life listening to him pray like that. Uh, he could have said, son, leave me alone. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to talk to God. You're interrupting me. He could have said, son, I really just want to be by myself. Never once did he ever say, get out of here. Now, there were times my mom would grab me and say, hey, you don't need to bother your dad. Um, but he never once turned me away. Yeah. And that, that in itself is one of the greatest actions you can give is to allow somebody to sit and model what they see in you. And, and not turn them away and say, uh, no, you can't be part of this. It's too private. Yeah. And I think, I think um, being comfortable with being vulnerable no matter who's around. And that's hard to do. That is very hard to do. But like you said, it plants seeds for those that are listening mm -hmm. 
maybe maybe that's their model maybe that just gives them the courage to start talking to god yeah but i think the being the vulnerable because in this world of predator and prey everywhere you look um that's that's scary because you don't want someone to, to zero in on you but at the same time in the back of my mind i'm thinking they are not going to be the ones that I'm standing in front of on Judgment Day. That's right. Yeah. So, because we're still talking about the ripple effects yeah. in the community, um, I, I've got an interesting story about that. If I can share it too, yeah. um, I, I was called to become the pastor at Rimlap United Methodist, which is now a church at Rimlap, and uh, still a United Methodist mm-hmm. congregation. Just changed the name a bit there, and there was a store right around the corner from the church. And when I say right around the corner. I mean it was at that time the only store in Rimlap. If you wanted gas, you had to go there. If you wanted to rent a movie, you had to go there, mm-hmm. which most people don't know what renting a movie <laughs> is anymore. There used to be a place where you went and got this thing called VCR tapes. Well, <laughs> yeah, VCR yeah, tapes. Yeah, and then, and then they became DVDs, and you would walk in, <laughs> and you would grab the, te- the, the disc, and you would pay the guy money, take it home for two days, kind of like the library. Oh, wait. No, There's this place it. called yes. a library. <laughs> so I go into the store. And I'm not sure exactly what happened. I don't remember what prompted this. But um, it ended up with me yelling at the lady that was behind the cash register, who unbeknownst to me was agoraphobic, would only leave the house to come to work, Oh gosh! was very introverted, very nervous, very afraid to be around people, and very afraid of people who were a bit overbearing. Mm-hmm. And the conversation ended with me yelling at her and not being very nice to her, which is not good for a new pastor in a community at the only store. Mm -mm. And so um, as time went on, um, I I didn't see her in there as much as I did before. And I I would try to go in and be nice. And uh, um, wasn't probably a few days later, maybe a couple of weeks later, um, she walks into the doors of our church one Sunday with her mom. And I'm the pastor of the church that she's chosen to come to for the first time in a while. This person who doesn't go to church anymore and is is looking to seek out God. And she sees the guy up there who yelled at her in the gas station. (laughs) And so I did my best to be myself and to preach. I didn't address in public anything. But after service, I walked up to her and I told her in front of everybody that was left standing there that I owe her the biggest apology. And I apologized to her for the way I treated her, for the actions that I gave. And she said, well, I'll be honest with you. When people told me about the pastor of the church and how to come and it was a good church and to listen to this preacher, she said, I knew it was you and I came anyway. And you never know. You never know. You never know how God's going to work. And, and that's why it's important to sort of treat everybody yeah. in the same way uh, uh, through love and grace and make that action of mercy, that action of love, that action of grace, because they may be a person that right around the corner comes to you for help, and maybe they won't because of the way you treated them, or they may be the person you need to go to for help. Exactly. And God's inevitably in some way going to put them in your life. Yes. Well, and, and talk about planting seeds and ripple effect. Uh, when I first started getting involved with CR and leadership and everything, we had a jail ministry. And so mm-hmm. I had a very hardened heart when it came to people with addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I fully believed it was your choice and there are consequences because oh, wow. I haven't battled that. So yeah. I didn't understand the grips of it. 
But I did feel called to go into this jail ministry. Didn't understand why. God was in the middle of it. So I go in and I'm meeting all these ladies and I, I don't know how to interact with them. This is, I don't know the struggle. I don't understand it. I, I feel like I'm, I don't want to talk down to them. But so you didn't know which action to take. I didn't know which action to take. <clears throat> Makes sense. So as I'm sitting there and God starts speaking to me, he, he softened my heart and revealed to me that addiction is just a chemical Band-Aid. There's a wound below that. Yeah. Our job is to address the wound. Yeah. And if the church is going to be the hospital where God is the ultimate physician overseeing everything, hmm. then CR is the emergency room where Jesus is always on call. Oh, that's good. And when you go home, the Holy Spirit is our home health care. Oh, that's good. So as I'm going through and I'm, I'm bonding with these ladies, I mean, we bonded really quickly. We had a lot of stuff in common. And I started seeing the hurt instead of the addiction. Hmm. They have no idea that they were the ones that gave me the confirmation to go into ministry. Wow. So that's kind of one of those places where uh, the the healer and the hurt kind of come together. Yeah, and, and there's collide. A, there's a recognition. Yeah, collide. Did. Or meet or whatever. And there's a recognition of I can do something real here because there's something underneath the surface yeah. of what's happening. Yeah, that's, that's very good stuff right there. And, and so. that's literally when I said okay and that's making a print an imprint yes. you know we're talking about yes. footprints uh that's making an impact on those people and that is a footprint that is left behind for the rest of our life and other people will see how they do and how they act and they won't even realize that they're standing in shan's footprint when they're standing in whoever that person is footprint as right. well because their footprints inside of yours just like just like we are all gathered up in the hands and feet of christ those mm -hmm. nail scars in his hands and feet, uh, we're inside those. That, that's that's us there, Absolutely. standing and acting in the footprint of who he is. And the cool thing is, I watched those ladies, who many, 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 like uh, easily two hundred of them, I'm still friends with. Um, I watched them do their time, go through the consequences, pay their restitution, get involved in CR, get involved in church, get involved in leadership, and then they turned around. And I got to watch them speak life into the next generation and raise that generation. And so I tell them I can't hear their stories now unless I'm sitting in the back because it's an ugly cry. It's a horrible, <laughs> ugly cry. But I got to watch God move them literally from the jail cell to the pulpit. Yeah. yeah. And that's why no matter where I go, no matter what I do, I will always be involved in some kind of a recovery ministry church because of the actions, the ripple effect, yeah. the seeds that were planted all around me. Yeah. And it's not just a harvest. There's harvest sprouting left and right, left and right, left and right. Yeah. And it's so fast, you can't catch it all. Yeah. When I, when I was a youth pastor uh, years ago um, at Solid Rock Church, which it's now changed locations mm -hmm. a couple of times since then, still a great ongoing church, still great people. Um, I had a youth group of about... One time, about five that ended up blossoming to about thirty. For the size that church was then, it was a pretty pretty good size yeah. youth group. And um, and uh, not too long ago, I was going through Bluntsville, Alabama, and I stopped in at Jack's, and I saw one of the people that I taught in youth group there. Uh, she's a mother now. 
She uh, um, manages the place. She has children. And so as soon as she saw me, she runs around from the counter just like she was still a little kid, grabs me and hugs me. And yeah. the guy that's with me from my church is, looks at me and says, he says, uh, later on, he says, I was thinking, who is this lady hugging my pastor? <laughs> that is not his wife. <laughs> and uh, she goes back around the counter, and we talk for a few minutes. And I found out that her sister that I also taught is um, not only still going to church, not only still serving God, but she's she's in youth ministry herself wow. there and has children herself. And, and she began to tell me about some of the other kids in the youth group. And what's interesting is today I see some of those kids in the youth group that I taught way back then, and some of them, honestly, I'd forgotten. Mm -hmm. And they run up to me, and they hug me, and they tell me that they still remember things that we did and talked about, and they still ask themselves, what would Sammy say in this situation? (laughs) What would Brother Sammy do in this situation? And sometimes I think to myself, oh, that's a horrible thing. (laughs) Don't think that. Uh, Don't don't do that. But they um, they still remember. Yeah. And I can see the impact that they've made on other people in their lives. Uh, even back to when I was in high school, um, used to carry my Bible around school and preach. And uh, uh, a couple of us would get together and talk about Scripture and pray for our school and things like that. And it started out small and mm-hmm. kind of got bigger and bigger. And and what's weird is the majority of the people that I hung out with high school or that I knew in high school, even the ones I didn't care for too much, now they're in some way or some fashion serving God. Mm-hmm. And it's because of not only the effects of those of us who gathered around and prayed and was that example, but it's because of the effects of the people in their lives around them that were doing the same thing. And all of those people uh, um, pushing them, I won't say pushing them, but guiding them toward yeah. Christ uh, um, has culminated in, in them being fully enveloped by this footprint Absolutely. of God in their lives. So it's like they were they were speaking life into a situation that was to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It never fails. I I'm somewhere, and it happened here at CR this CR, and I have a lady come up, and she's like, "Hey, you don't remember me, do you?" And I'm scanning my brain. <laughs> I'm like, "Uh huh." <laughs> I've got the deer in the headlight look. Yeah. And it's always funny when we're in Walmart or something. She goes, "Remember we met in jail," and then. <laughs> I understand jail ministry. Everybody around us, they grab their purses and their children and yeah. all, and it's it's funny. <laughs> but it's like when they say that, all of a sudden, like the tone of their voice or something triggers that memory, and I'm like, oh, yeah. oh we never know where we're going to cross paths. See, I'm never vulnerable enough, just to be honest, be a little <laughs> vulnerable here. I'm never vulnerable enough to tell that person, I don't know who you are. <laughs> Well, now, I always go, this is my wife, Linda, and I introduce <laughs> Linda to them. Hopefully they'll say their name and it'll trigger something. Well, now, I will say that, you know, usually some of them will go, no, don't you remember? And I, and I have to remind them that when we go into jail, your hair's up, no makeup, you're wearing orange. Now you're in mm-hmm. gorgeous makeup, long flowing locks of curls. And I, no, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't recognize. I'm sorry. Yep. But when we, when we spark up that conversation, start talking again, God brings them back into our lives, mm-hmm. and they stay. And yeah. I and I want them to because I enjoy seeing how God is moving and changing in their life. And that, that what's amazing is is that's the ripple 
of not only what you've done, but it's the ripple of the people in your past that have brought you to that place. Yeah. And all those people that are helping you in that jail ministry and all those ripples converging and all those ripples coming together because God's people are seeking God's, yes. uh, what, what they would say, the reign of the Holy Spirit in their life, the former and the latter reign coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scripture says that the former reign or the latter reign will be better than the former reign. And in my mind, I don't think of just the in, power of the Holy Spirit pouring out, but I think of all those ripples of, of God's Spirit, uh, God's people having effects mm-hmm. on the lives of the people around them and the Holy Spirit working in them and through them to do these things. And Absolutely. and it's like we're raining on on these this pond and, and the ripples are going out and uh, just like the the, the water will, will evaporate up and come back down this, that's what's happening yeah. is, is that we're bringing other people to Christ and they're they're going around and doing the same thing and becoming same a ripple and, and, the, and the rain in someone else's life. Absolutely yeah and I, I can't watch a rain cloud pass like where you see the rain cloud and you see the actual rain in that sheet and it's not everywhere it's just right there mm-hmm. and I can't help to think when someone's like heavy praying or, or whatever, in my mind, because I'm a visual person, I picture God like that cloud just sitting over that house, just pouring mercy and grace, pouring mercy and grace as those prayers are coming up. Mm-hmm. And he's just pouring out the comfort and 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 I hope that they receive. Well, I mean, that, that's very biblical and scriptural, too, because when you say that and you're talking about the cloud and the pouring, the two things I think of is Zephaniah, where the Bible says that God rejoices over us with dancing and singing. Yes. Uh, depends on what translation you get. I, I like using both of those words there, dancing and singing. Uh, that, that means God is just so happy uh, to be a part of our life and to be present in our life that he's dancing over us, and so he's over us. And at the same time, he's opening up the windows of heaven, yes. and he's pouring out the grace and the mercy and the, and the love and the blessings. Uh, on us so well actually i think we could keep going for several hours this we is could. uh it's it's i think we're we're, we're needing to do something to <laughs> get close to wrapping up here on our first time doing this so and i look forward to to many times of getting to sit down and bring these uh videos to you and uh, we're going to have a, a link also so you can hear the audio but just remember no matter where you're at no matter what you do always speak life because you don't know who's around you listening always speak life be a blessing and put your faith feet into action to cause a ripple effect you want to pray us out absolutely Uh, your love O lord reaches to the heavens Mm -hmm. and your faithfulness stretches to the sky your righteousness is like a mighty mountain and your justice flows like the ocean's tide Mm -hmm. and so lord we come today thanking you for the flow of your spirit in our lives and for those ripple effects. Thank you that we have a great cloud of witnesses around us and we have great footprints to follow in. And Lord, we may never grow into those footprints, but Lord, always, always, always help us to know that when we get to the end of those footprints, X doesn't mark the spot. Yes. When your cross does. Thank you, Jesus. We pray, Lord, for everyone that would hear this and read this and listen to this and see this. That, Father, they would understand their lives better. We would understand our lives better. And that your Holy Spirit would guide us into newness of life. Amen. Much agape, everybody. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>